Hello, everyone, and welcome to Roll Up, episode 25. I am your co-host, Sam Fain, and I am joined, of course, by Todd Jerschel. Todd, how are you? Doing great. Uh, had an awesome wrestling weekend and uh, happy to, you know, talk some more Phil Singer games here. Yeah, yeah, it was, it was, a. I mean, this weekend in Chicago was intense, the past week, really. I, I mean, it's like yeah. AEW got into town and camped out in the Indies scene kind of came along with them and uh, you know you had uh, uh gcw and black label pro in town along with of course freelance uh running shows and, and then of course all the aew stuff from dynamite to rampage to you know the, the big show all out um so there was there was a ton going on i didn't get to see any of it in person unfortunately uh i <laughs> you know if it's not one thing it's another um I will start this off by saying she is absolutely fine and the baby is absolutely fine. But my wife was in a little bit of a car accident on Friday night. Oh boy. So, so on her way home from work, uh, cause she's back in the office a few days a week now. And I had hoped to meet up with Zeke for at least for lunch and, 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 and perhaps hopefully one of the GCW shows. I, I didn't think I was going to go to both of them, but I thought, well, we'll go grab lunch and then we'll go to the, you know, the two o'clock show together. That sounds like a lot of fun. And, uh, I was so, I was so looking forward to it. it was in the calendar everything was great and then of course you know with the accident it was just sort of like i have to i have to cancel at zeke last minute and you know of course he's lovely and completely understood and he was just like hey as long as they're okay don't worry about it you know we'll we'll meet up again next time but uh, oh, that, your your card does not want you to go see wrestling I'm oh uh, right now i know <laughs> i know because yeah because of course you know there was the the incident not it wasn't an accident it was just repairs that were needed before the hall of fame so i wasn't able to get out there and i and i told chad one of the reasons i was so excited was of course being able to see the show you know while i was there and that didn't you know the the impact uh, pro wrestling show and i wasn't able to do that either uh and it, that would have been the first live pro wrestling i'd seen in in over a year obviously and uh and now shimmer just announced their latest date they're going to run two shows on uh halloween october 31st in berwin at the eagles club aaw is running the eagles club the two nights before i am not going to be able to go to any of those obviously because my son is due on like you know sometime that week pretty much so uh so that's not gonna happen either but uh, it's all right. It's it's it, there. There'll be more shows. Um, yes. And I got to watch some of the shows from the comfort of my own home, which was not a bad thing. Uh, and you know, we won't go into as much detail. I think as we did last time around, we started talking wrestling. But I loved the show. I thought it was fantastic. Um, I, I thought that most of the matches were were just damn good. Um, and some of them were great. And then I thought that. Uh, the you know the surprises if you will were fantastic i think you know low-key my favorite surprise was uh minoru suzuki i just thought that that was so cool when he came out after the moxley uh and and kojima match um yeah well yeah i I mean seeing him you know come out and 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 chicago greet him warmly was was really nice so yeah the only the only surprise of that a phil singer games card but that's okay you know we still well you know yeah uh, because of course the two big surprises with Adam Cole and um, Brian Danielson, I'm going to have to get used to saying that and not Daniel Bryan because right. it's like you've been saying Daniel Bryan for so long now. Uh, but it feels right to say Brian Danielson. Um, I, I thought that they, I mean, they they played that perfectly. Again, it was one of those things where a lot of people figured that Cole was coming in, but didn't know exactly when it would be. Um, you know, Danielson was pretty much a sure thing. It was just a question of whether or not it was going to be. Um, 
uh, you know, yeah, at that particular moment. But uh, I think being able to get both Cole and Danielson in at the same time in the way that they did it was was pretty perfect um, and helps to set the table for, you know, for everything that's to come next. And you've got full gear and revolution now to to both build to. And, and you know, you've not, got not to mention the New York City show coming up a couple of weeks where I will be right. there. So I'm very looking forward to that. So. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And of course, Dynamite is going to have a pretty stacked card, too. That's true. Well, you know, you know, I, we got to be sensitive here. You know, we're talking a lot of AEW here, <laughs> and I know we got another guest with us who doesn't watch AEW because Jim Cornette watches it for him. <laughs> <laughs> That's right, ladies and gentlemen. We are joined this week by the one and only Travis Heckle. Travis, thank you so much for being here. Uh, how are you doing? I am doing pretty good. I've actually been doing AEW art all day, so for the podcast, so and uh. Actually, Brian Last just texted me and said, "Hey, can you update the Young Bucks? They had some goofy new looks, so oh, yeah. you got to update their oh, looks." Yeah. <laughs> so I'm gonna have to go back and do that later and start kind of flush them out, probably. But I think Nick's got like the Hollywood Hogan thing yeah. going yeah. on. I don't know what's going on there. Yeah. Nick so, yeah. absurd, over the top, absurd. Yeah, uh, uh, that it'll be interesting to hear what what Cordet has to say about that match uh, in particular. I, yeah. I thought it was fantastic. I'm not. I'm. You know. I mean, there there are a lot of people out there, of course, that are talking about it being like, you know, the greatest tag team cage match they've ever seen, all that sort of <laughs> stuff. And I and look, I thought it was great. I, I thought it was a fantastic match. For, for so many reasons, but, uh, I mean, I would question how many of those people have seen like, you know, the rock and roll express versus the Minnesota wrecking crew in a cage. Do you know what I mean? Like, it's, it's kind of like, come on guys. Like, like it's great. That that's, a, that's like one of AEW's probably best tag team matches, but there's, there's other stuff out there. That's, that's great. You know? Um, but it'll be interesting to see what Cornette has to say. <laughs> well, I won't give any spoilers, but I just won't give any. Uh, Well, I appreciate you playing the diplomat. Um, So, yeah, you know, it was, it was, it was a big, it was a big weekend. It was a big night. And I think that there are a lot of people that walked away from that. Very, very happy. I think there are definitely some converts some people that might not have been AEW fans that are now AEW fans. A lot of people that felt that that their money was very well spent. And, 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 you know, at the end of the day, I think that that's a success. Um, You know, I'm there's a lot of people who I know have never bought one of their pay-per-view or haven't bought a pay-per-view in a decade and threw down 50 bucks, which I was shocked, you know, to hear about, but I'm like, Hey, you know, I guess you know, did something to catch people's eye, the attention here. We'll yeah, we'll see if it we'll see if it keeps on going or not. And uh, you know, hopefully, maybe one day we'll be doing an AEW set. You know, I'm hoping someday we'll see. We'll see. Yeah, I, I mean, we could basically do one right now. We just yeah, almost, call it that. Yeah. <laughs> almost. Um, but. Anyway, uh, we'll we'll go ahead and, and, and move away from that uh, for now. Uh, obviously, there's a lot more we could talk about. It was it was it was just fun, and 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 I really enjoyed it. And I'm looking forward to what they do next. Um, but Phil Singer Games has some things in the pipeline coming next. Speaking of, and uh, the first thing that we want to talk about, of course, is the latest announcement for the Legends Four Pack, and that was none other than Pretty Boy Doug Summers. Um, Doug Summers you know, really in a lot of ways, the, the definition of a journeyman wrestler, he, he wrestled all over the place. Um, most spent a lot of his time in like the, the Southern territories, um, and through Florida and Texas and, um, 
you know, pretty much that whole Gulf Coast area and, and, and southwestern uh, uh, territorial area. Um, eventually, made his way up to Portland, um, so he he certainly fits the bill for you know the the, the theme of this particular four pack. Um, but his career in Portland was you know, it was fairly unremarkable. Uh, he did have a couple of challenges for the title, uh, including facing off against his future partner Buddy Rose when Buddy Rose held the PNW uh, heavyweight championship. Uh, but of course. Doug Summers' biggest success came in the AWA, uh, you know, when he teamed up with Buddy Rose as, you know, arguably one of the hottest tag teams that that territory had at the time they were there. Um, and of course, their their program with uh, the Midnight Rockers, uh, Shawn Michaels and Marty Jannetty, you know, really it put, you know, it put. Michaels and Janetti on the map, you know, that, that, that feud, um, was incredible. And of course, Summers and Rose were managed by Sherry Martell, um, at the time. So, uh, you know, and afterwards he, he kind of, you know, just traveled around, did, you know, distant WWF for a while, distant WCW, uh, actually was in all Japan for a little bit, uh, after that, uh, and then worked the independence all the way up until about 2006, I believe. Um, and so just, Oh, you know, wonderful addition to the game. You know, this is a new name this is someone that we didn't have before and now of course the ability to have that tag team with rose uh and of course having martel in the game as well sherry in the game as well is, is a perfect you know person to uh manage them if you see fit so uh really really cool uh addition to the game todd thoughts on doug summers yeah obviously this one was probably the 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 least tied to the the theme of the set but you know given that we had rose in the in the, in the set it just made sense to have summers in there too uh, and really kind of ha- you know have that as a, as another additional tag team. So that was kind of the reasoning behind it. Yeah, maybe not as clear cut. And I don't even know if anybody even predicted that one because you really don't think of him necessarily as as you know as a Pacific Northwest guy besides you know doing the stint there. But we just thought it was really important to have that tag team since we had the ability to do that. This seemed like the right time to do it. Uh, I say the the other two names in the, in the list here. I think it'll be a little bit more of a. Portland uh, connection uh, than, than, than Doug. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, you know, we've mentioned it before. There's already some names that we have the, you know, even the recently released Roddy Piper card, there's a lot of guys out there too, if you wanted to do that type of fed. And of course, dynamite kid being another big one. Um, so it'll be cool to see who's, you know, who, who's coming next uh, for these next two cards. Um, now, correct me if I'm wrong. We we talked a little bit about this last week, I believe, but we're not going to get a new announcement this Friday um, for Legends. We're going to get the, the pre-order announcement um, because obviously being a four card set, we don't want to throw all those announcements up this early. So there will be no Legends announcement on Friday, but you will get a special pre-order announcement on Friday. Yes, there, th- that that is correct. And there'll be something else a little bit legends related that we will announce on Friday as well. Um yeah, I'm just going to leave it at that. You know, it won't be part <laughs> of the four pack, uh but it'll be something else legends. So I mean, you, the legends fans you won't be completely, you know, left out of this this Friday for sure. But yeah, since since it's uh, only the four card set, we're kind of, you know, spacing out a little bit more and and there is another card that we are going to uh, uh put up there for Friday. Uh, yeah, it's going to be the focus for Friday. Sure. Um, and, and then Travis, uh, any, any thoughts uh, that you want to throw out there for Doug Summers? I know he, he didn't necessarily spend any time in Memphis, but. <laughs> but, you know, I actually got him signed. Oh, nice. Yeah. Uh, his wife is on my Facebook and I just reached out to her. It was, I think it's about this time last year. And hmm. I just reached out to her and just kind of promoted the game saying one of the things we like to do is, you know, promote guys that, 
may not get recognized by the WWE and give them some uh, little recognition, let fans remember them. And she loved the idea. And she'd asked me a couple of times when he was going to be released and I could finally give her the news. So she was, she was happy about it. So that's fantastic. That's, that's a good great. thing. I love hearing that. I love hearing that. Um, I'm sorry, Todd, it looked like you had something that you were going to add on there. No, I just, I just think that's fantastic. I love when we're able to, you know, recognize some guys and, you know, get the, I think it's always good when the family's like, Oh, that'd be so wonderful for their memory to be, you know, to, to, to live on. Uh, and you know, that, that we're able to do that. I think it is pretty great. And thank yeah. you Travis for helping us do that. That's, that's fantastic. Yeah, absolutely. It. Um, and then next up, of course, a recent announcement for Future Shock uh, is Calamity. Uh, now, Calamity is a new name um, coming to uh, the CWF. Uh, we don't have Mike on, so I can't pester him for, for details here. Not that he would uh, give any anyway. No, right? No, right. Uh, but I will uh, at least uh, go over the write-up here. Calamity is coming to the CWF, but why? He's one cool customer who calculates every single move. He is clearly an experienced fighter, but whose side is he on? Could he be working with General Aegis, Star Slayer, Revolver, Oracle, Murdoch? Maybe Magnus Colby's brought Calamity in as a hired gun. Uh, now, that artwork, of course, certainly uh, looks like we could be seeing somebody from CTA 102 here. Uh, it definitely looks a bit like Kraken. Um, Todd, what are your thoughts on Calamity? Yeah, definitely the uh, CTA uh, 102 uh, signature head bumps there. That's that's for sure. Right. Yeah, at first I, I I questioned. I'm like, oh, do we? You know, is this the like one of the first ones of those guys with hair? And then I was reminded about uh, Tank having some, and I think there's maybe another guy as well uh, from there that did have some hair along with the you know, instead of just the the bald top there. <laughs> um, but yeah, I say I know a little bit more, but I, I've been sworn to secrecy. You know, I don't want to reveal any more there. But uh, yeah, I think he'll have a good fit in with uh, you know the overall Champions of the Galaxy universe for sure. Yeah, yeah, I, I think uh, you know the questions raised just in in the little blurb there certainly kind of um, y- you know make us think that this guy could be a gun for hire. Uh, you know, maybe he's going to go to the highest bidder, and some of those people obviously might not actually bid. Uh, you know, uh, and then others might, uh, or he could just. Be you know some sort of kind of soldier of fortune uh who's who's thrown in with with aegis or you know somebody uh, else along the way so it'll be interesting to to see i'm really looking forward to reading the next chapter uh, of the story it's been uh, great to you know to follow along thus far and and i know you know this is back on the, on the king pro wrestling podcast but when the first set got released and uh, we were kind of able to do a bit of a deep dive and you know talk about it it really just kind of i think reinvigorated um my love of of you know, the champions of the galaxy universe in particular because i'd been really just playing a lot of legends uh and, and indie feds but now you know i mean i've got my kind of on hiatus but you know i've got my my classics fed my cwf and my chronos fed um that are all still kind of active in one form or another and i hadn't played them in quite a while um when we had that conversation so i kind of owe that to to the cwf and i'm really looking forward to um to kicking things back up again when when the new set drops yep same here yeah i've been been, been waiting you know I, I was expecting to start back up in the springtime but i've had to wait a couple extra months but <laughs> right? uh, i think it'll be worth it there uh, for sure and i know some of the other Characters coming out uh, definitely have some really cool art, and I know you know the stories are great. So I'm looking forward to seeing it all come together. I've seen the first batch of the stats as well, and uh, yeah, things are things are looking good. 
Well, speaking of characters, I like that segue. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> we've also got a new name announced for the Indies Deathmatch set, uh, and that is none other than Jeff Cannonball, uh, the Deathmatch Vegan King Ugly. I don't know. These are just the nicknames that Cage Match uh, tells me. Oh, that's uh, right. <laughs> um, <laughs> but um, um, made a name for himself over these past five years, being just kind of a regular competitor in deathmatch tournaments throughout the country, mostly in the Northeast. Uh, he's done uh, a couple of tournament of deaths at CZW. Um, he's you know participated in, in just multiple other uh, kind of hardcore feds. Uh, H2O, of course, being his you know kind of his home base yeah. right now, where he's held a few titles, um, including the Danny Havoc hardcore title. Um, and uh, I think uh, you know it was a great addition very fitting he you know he fits the bill 100 percent this is a guy we've talked about some of the other guys is kind of being like you know hey jimmy lloyd can really go you know or or invite got it right this time uh you know can really go uh they just also happen to do deathmatch wrestling i'm not saying that jeff cannonball can't go but pretty much all he does is deathmatch stuff so um this is a guy who i think epitomizes the the uh the name of the set yeah, I figured, you know, we're going to, you know, obviously I know there was a lot of call for, oh, is this going to be old GCW guys? Like, no, no, I mean, yeah, there's some guys, definitely some GCW influence there. But this is uh, a guy in the Northeast who I know, you know, back in the CZW days, you know, really kind of got going. And, yeah, you know, is it really big in the HTO to H2O kind of, you know, is known for that Danny Havoc hardcore title and you know given the i think the soft spot that we have for uh, danny havoc at phil singer games uh you know i figure it was only appropriate to, to have that champion here uh but yeah i think he's a really perfect fit uh for for this set and uh yeah he's i think he was uh one of, he was one of the names that uh while williams helped us get you know a couple of years ago and just been kind of waiting for the right set we haven't done anything with you know, with any other promotion he's been working with. And now that we're finally going the deathmatch set, that was one name. I'm like, we got to get him in there uh, for sure. So I'm very happy to include, uh, include Jeff in the set. Yeah. Yeah. Super cool. And he was also a name that was uh, featured on the IWTV series, the life of mm-hmm. um, his, his episode was very interesting. Um, <laughs> I, you know, it's funny because we've talked about some of the others, obviously Edith surreals and um, a very good professional wrestlers. And, you know, I, I think that they were uh, really, you know, very good professional wrestlers was just such an interesting look into the life of a guy who's been, who's been doing this for a while now, you know, and has a family and has, you know, kind of a, a day job, if you, will um but also is clearly committed to professional wrestling and it was just a really really cool window in and of course edith surreals you know honestly just went way beyond i think what anybody could have anticipated and talking about her transition and you know even even some of the surgical procedures and all this sort of stuff it was really really fascinating the depth of it and i felt like was kind of an important uh, you know episode in that respect where <laughs> jeff cannonballs is just it's just fun, you know, it's because he's kind of laid back. He's like, it's just, yeah, it's so interesting. In fact, he even commented uh, on his Twitter feed at one point um, that, that, you know, I'm a, I'm a human cartoon. And I feel like that really kind of fits the bill for his episode. So if you've got IWTV, uh, I urge you to check out the life of, I think that there, it's a really great series. Um, But yeah, Jeff Cannonball's episode in particular is pretty, pretty crazy. And, and his picture there definitely kind of, it shows off kind of the, the, the human cartoon uh, look of it too. So I, yes. I like 
glad that the art came out for that. So uh, anyway, hopefully we'll get his wife, Tara Calloway, in there someday. I know she was in a poll at one point uh, back in the day. I'm, I'm hopefully at one point we'll we'll get a card for her as well. I think uh, that would be a great addition too. Yeah, I completely agree. Um, so that does it for the, the new announcements. Is there anything else from FedHQ, Todd, that you want to get out there? Uh, yeah, nothing, nothing right now. Well, do, make sure to join us for, uh, on uh, Friday though. We are going to have a pre-order, a special pre-order podcast up there, uh, with some special news. So definitely, uh, check us out again on uh, Friday, uh, for that. And there'll be a little bit more discussion on, uh, what's to come. Yeah. And it'll be a short episode. It's not going to be, you know, our, our regular length, obviously, but we'll definitely uh, touch on the announcements. And uh, as Todd mentioned, there's a special announcement that will be in the podcast as well. So uh, make sure you you check that out. Um, there is a little bit of sad news from the community. Um, this past week, we were informed that uh, Sam Leptak Jr.'s dad um, passed away. And, uh, you know, as, as a result of that, um, Kevin Butcher, uh, you know, he reached out on the message boards and provided a GoFundMe link uh, to help with, you know, expenses and, and then obviously in this very difficult time. And, you know, of course, Sam has been, um, you know, a, a big part of the community for years now. And uh, clearly, you know, the, the Phil Singer Games family, anything that we can do to kind of help and support uh, his family during this difficult time um, is great. And, you know, even if it ends up just being a message of your sympathies um, or if you can indeed contribute, then of course you can find that GoFundMe link uh, on the message boards. Um, but certainly, um, you know, we're, we're thinking of Sam and uh, it's, it's never, easy obviously and there's no right words to say um but we're definitely thinking of him and, and wishing him a lot of peace and strength during this difficult time well said well said so uh we want to get to our main event here uh of course travis is here uh to to assist uh, on this journey that we're about to I take, call it that. <laughs> <laughs> um, and and uh, I'm I'm thrilled that that he is that he's joined us because I know he's got some firsthand knowledge uh, that that I think will help to enhance our discussion. Uh, we're doing a Legends Spotlight for the main event, and it is the Midnight Express. Well, well before we get into that, should we? Uh -oh. uh, Let's talk a little bit about uh, Travis and his journey uh, oh, with Phil Singer Games. <laughs> All right, let's do it. All right. So Travis, when did you, when did you first start uh, playing? Uh, December of 1989. I actually got the game for Christmas. Uh, one of my best friends, his name is John. He goes by Drez on the board. Oh yeah. We were actually born across the hall from each other. He is a day older than me. So we were like almost <laughs> best friends for 48 years. Oh, wow. So he actually plays too. So we used to always talk about it in high school. Oh, we need to get this game. We love the ads and stuff. So I finally ended up picking it up, and he picked it up a little bit after me. So I've been playing for, I guess, 32 years now. So off and on, and I, you know, I also like GWF. I keep up with a bit now. I'm just mostly Legends, though. So Of course. So I like to do keep up with the GWF stuff, though. So with the, with the legends though, um, yeah, I know that I see you posting stuff from online all these days. Is that mostly your main way of playing is through the CGG online system? Yeah, because it's just a little more convenient. Because uh, I, I still collect the cards, obviously, mm -hmm. and get them all and stuff. But it's just a little more convenient. Like some days, I'll just take my computer up at Chick Fil A or something like that, or at a restaurant, and I'll play a couple cards up there. So and just 
hang out or I used to go to like their McDonald's up the street. I love their coats. I would just go grab a coat, play a couple cards and go home. It was just, it's a little more convenient, but I still collect the cards and everything though. Yeah, you don't want to be lugging around, uh, you know, uh, you know, the, the the big Tupperware full of uh, cards to Chick Fil A. That's 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 no good. You don't want the Chick Fil A. I have to tell you a story off air. It was, kind of, <laughs> it was kind of a weird thing playing cards at McDonald's, and it was kind of a weird situation. So I'll tell you all off air. Though. Okay. Let's go. <laughs> um. Now your uh, your legends fed currently. Um, do you are there any particular cards that you use uh, more than others? Do you kind of use a, a little mix of everything that's out there? Do you focus more on one kind of you know territory or region that guys come from? Well, how I work it is um, if you know some the board, I introduce the date. So that's how I kind of introduce everybody. And once it kind of gets bigger. I break off my feds like into different territories. Like I have a Memphis, Georgia one now. I'm going to start a Mid Atlantic Fed. And I'll end up starting a Florida Fed, and more guys get introduced. I'll just kind of break those off into separate things until I have like basically an old NBA style territory. So, but actually, I know it's ner- we're talking nerdy stuff now. So yeah, you're amongst friends. Actually, I actually just I kind of introduce them as the when the the date they get introduced. So. I got a plan for them. Like if I think Brandy Rose and the Midnight Express, they get introduced in December of 2017. I've already got a plan for them to be introduced to that date and then build with that. So it's nerdy, but you know, Hey, we all have our little weird things though. I I love it. I love hearing about that. And I, I love the idea of, you know, um, of using kind of dates, uh, whether they're real world dates or whatever works for you, you know, your particular fed as, as, as markers. And I know, uh, a while back, somebody had posted kind of a, a list of all the legends color cards that we had thus far and the date that they debuted. That was me. That was you. Okay. Yeah. Right. That's, that's, uh, that's what I thought, but I was, I wasn't hundred percent sure. Yeah. Uh, and I, and I just love seeing that, you know, there have been multiple people that have, you know, taken that and use that as a roadmap now as when they're kind of debuting people and when they're, mm-hmm. you know, you know, having people in their fed. And I, I think that that's really, really cool. Um, you know, it's, it's completely different from, from how I've done things, mm-hmm. although there's that, there's that part of me that's just sort of like, man, that's such a great idea. I wish, I wish I would have thought of that, you know? Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, because we've got this, you know, we've got this rich history of these guys. And, um, uh, you know, it's interesting too. I know that Chad at one point, for instance, was also basically using like, kind of like, um, you know, downgraded versions of guys in their first gimmick and starting them off, you know, uh, mm-hmm. early on in their career and uh, seeing what they could do. Uh, you know, I think Randy Savage and Bruiser Brody were two guys in particular that he used uh, uh, that way. But um, they, I mean, that's the thing. It's like, it, it, there's just so much that you can do with the game. And as long as you're having a good time, as long as you're having fun, uh, the creativity just comes right out of that. So uh, I, I'm, I'm a big a big proponent of, of finding your own way of doing things and, and just, you know, having fun with it. Uh, there's no right or wrong way to play. Just have fun. That's what I've learned over the years. Uh, probably in the last five years, this is my kind of escape. I got two kids. I'm married, work for Cornette, have a regular job. And it's just kind of my escape and I enjoy it. I'm glad it's still around. So I was scared to death. Legends was going to go away for a while, but mm. it's, it's going strong now. So I love it. And I'm happy I can contribute getting gas signed now. So that makes it even better. 
Yeah. So uh, talk a little bit about, you know, you don't have to name names necessarily, mm-hmm. but talk a little bit about kind of your connections that have have led to that. You, know, you mentioned earlier um, um, with uh, Doug Summer's wife, for instance, and, you know, knowing her on Facebook and stuff. So, you, you know, what was kind of your way in to meet some of these people and, and start making some of these signings or at least the connections so that, you know, others could make the signing? Just mostly social media. You always see somebody and I like to look for guys a lot of times that may not get that recognition like you may see from the WWE or anything, like a Doug Summers or something. And I want those guys to kind of be remembered. Uh, like I'm trying to think who all I may have signed over the years. I can't remember Harlan anymore. <laughs> but, you know, I'm just using Doug Summers as an example. He's not going to ever get a WWE Hall of Fame ring and be included. So why not include those guys in a game where fans can kind of discover – what they did in their career, build on that and let their family know that they're remembered and everything. That's kind of like one of my goals I like to do because everybody knows Vader, everybody knows the Road Warriors, but is everybody familiar with a Doug Summers? Probably not, but this gives them a chance to kind of, oh, there's other guys out there that might not see on the WWE Network and things. So it gives them a chance to kind of discover new guys. Maybe if they discover that new guy, like, old AWA like Chad would like to hear it was on his last legs but it was still some fun stuff with the Rockers and um, Doug Summers and Buddy Rose so discover that old stuff that you may not see casually and stuff so that's one of the things I do like to do I remember, I'll never forget when they released a uh, DVD, WWE did, uh, of uh, Shawn Michaels from The Vault. And this had to have been back in like 2005, maybe. Um, maybe it was even a little bit before then. But uh, uh, And picking that up, and of course, one of the first matches that's on that DVD uh, is, a, is a tag team match between um, Doug Summers and Buddy Rose and the Midnight Rockers. And I just, uh, I, it, at the time, I just thought to myself, man, I, you know, as a kid growing up, I never would have known that the rockers that I saw in the WWF had done this, you know, and, and of course, you know, Rose and Summers were just fantastic. And it, it really kind of opened my eyes. But like you're saying, that that's kind of it, you know, and so the uh, the opportunity to be able to to pay tribute to some of these guys. Um, and more recently, uh, you know, kind of inundating my stuff with like Mark James's Memphis books and learning more about the Memphis territory and, you know, seeing some of those recurring names or reading about some of these names that I never would have been exposed to, at least in this way, had, you know, had I just kind of followed you know, the big company's version of history, which, which, which is fine. You know, I'm not, I'm not knocking that, but, but there is so much more out there. So I think you're right. The opportunity to be able to, um, you know, lift those names up and, and, and kind of uh, get people to, uh, you know, recognize something they didn't know before. Um, mm-hmm. That's also one of the cool things about the game is like picking up a handbook and seeing a name you didn't know. And mm-hmm. all of a sudden you're just sort of like, Oh, I want to learn more about this guy. Mm-hmm. Um so I'm, I'm right there with you. And I think your, you know, your, uh, your Memphis sets that you released, uh, I, I mean, I still have, you know, back from like, you know, early 2000s or something, yeah, yeah, something like yeah. that. Yeah. Somebody <laughs> told me that the other day they still man. use them. I was like, I don't even know what they look like. I don't even have them anymore. <laughs> <laughs> I just, you know, my, my favorite thing was the, the Tupelo concession brawl, uh, stand brawl chart that you did. That was just, that that to me as, as soon as i saw that i was like i gotta have that i gotta use that and i and i did use it uh, i haven't used it in a while to be honest with you but uh man it, it, it was just so much fun because i felt like it was 
to, to be able to have a set that was based off of a territory that I kind of knew a little bit about, but back then I didn't, I, you know, I barely knew anything. You know, I knew Jerry Lawler came from there. I knew there was a guy named, you know, Bill Dundee. I knew that there were, you know, guys like Austin Idol or whatever, but I didn't know much about the territory at all. And your sets really helped to, to, to kind of reaffirm the fact that I was interested, that I wanted to know more, um, which I think that the game in general can do. Well, that's, I'm, Thankfully, I got my print issue solved with these new cars I put out with the like the Lawler and Kaufman and stuff. So I'm yeah. glad everybody's liking them and oh. stuff. So now that I've got that kind of, we've kind of figured that out. Me and the guy at the UPS store. Now I'm hoping to get uh, a few more released here and there, like through a Galacticon, you know, exclusives. That's what I'm kind of going for. So I don't know if anybody saw the poll up. I think I got a, there's a poll up now. You can vote for a tag team. I'm gonna send out for a. Uh, um, the October, we're you're still doing the October con, right, Todd? We are, yeah, we are. Okay, I was making sure. Yep. Okay, so that's going to kind of coincide with uh, Memphis G-Con October, and I think it's the Blonde Bombers, uh, the Blade Rummers, and Fuchi and Anita. Nice. And you were you Oof. were just talking about the Tupelo concession stand brawl, and just a little spoiler: I'm actually going to print a card for everybody that does attend. A Galacticon on cardstock of the Tupelo concession stand brawl, and I'm going to send it out to them. So that's awesome. That's some, something fun for everybody. So yeah, yeah. So you're already talking about it. So yeah, that's super cool. Yeah, it, oh, man. It's also funny to think that like Onita, you know, the guy that went on to be known for you know blowing himself up and you know getting carved up with a sickle in the middle of the ring was you know was also the same guy getting you know mustard poured on him <laughs> and that, that they were the two of the guys them and ricky morton and eddie gilbert in the second or actually it was the third concession stand bro that's how i actually started watching so oh, yeah. that's why i wanted to include them so yeah so nice and i think the last time i looked at the poll this afternoon it was 25 25 uh tied with the blade runners and blonde bombers and uchi and onita we had nine so they're a little away so oh man well, I feel like, you know, it's it's funny because I understand people wanting the Blade Runners, but for me, I like the Blonde Bombers, I feel like are kind of essential. I mean, Latham and mm-hmm. uh, Ferris are, you know, definitely important, but uh, uh, to, to the to the history, I think, of Memphis, but uh, having Fuchi and Onida would be super cool as well. Um, so both Todd and I wanted to ask you, in fact, Todd, Todd, you take this question, sir. <laughs> so, yeah, so I, I mean, obviously a lot of people, you know, in the community know uh, you for your artwork. I know you've done some great artwork for not only the Memphis uh, cards there, but you know, some also really cool things within the Champions of the Galaxy universe. But of course, so many people know you for your artwork for Jim Cornette. Mm-hmm. So I think we're just a little curious, like, how did that all come about? <laughs> well, um, and you know, Brian does the 605 podcast, yes. right? Yes. So I was listening at work one night and I actually just kind of discovered it and I kind of liked the vibe for it. And it started, I was on lunch one night at work and he was talking about, um, uh, he was backstage at a WrestleMania. I think it was, I can't remember which one it was actually, but Randy Savage. It was, what's the one with him and Crush? They had the, oh, number 10. Uh, yeah. Number 10. He was backstage and Randy Savage saw him. He goes, you got to go. And Brian told that story. So I was just bored at night and I got a pair of Randy Savage's sunglasses and Photoshopped Randy Savage in there and put, you got to go. And I sent it to Brian. I thought it was funny and he loved it. So we kind of struck up a conversation and it kind of led from there. And I started doing some, uh, the 605 stuff for him, like the cover art. And then it kind of gradually ran over to when he started doing Cornette. I got 
it's about four years ago. I can't remember now. And he asked me, he goes, we're going to try to build this YouTube channel up. And we think if we get some fun art, it's going to draw more people in. So he goes, would you be willing to do it? So I was like, sure. I thought it'd just be like a cover art. He goes, no, we want to break it down to segments and doing everything like that. So, and since AEW and this wrestling war, it's really kind of exploded. So we're doing (laughs) like 10 or 12 um, segments per show. So, and they're getting tons of YouTube hits now. So it just kind of started just casually one night. I just bored work on my lunch and I just kind of did that little thing for Brian and we kind of um, hit it off and we talk all the time and all that. Now, Sam, I don't know if you've ever heard the story about how me and Brian met. Have you? No, I haven't. Have you, Todd? I don't think I have. Well, I'm sure you all know the USWA Smoky Mountain feud. You've probably heard of that in 95. Well, Brian used to come down for the Smoky Mountain Week. So they had a big card. Uh, it was like a big cage match that night. A bunch of the Smoky Mountain people came down to Louisville Gardens on the Sunday night. I think it was a Sunday afternoon, actually. And uh, so they were cheering for the Smoky Mountain guys, and a bunch of guys <laughs> turned on the USWA guys. So they all went crazy in the sands, and we used to sit ringside. And we're just, we, I don't want to say we were smart, but we knew. We were just there to have fun. We just loved the shows and stuff. Yeah. So they actually had to keep the Smoky Mountain fans there after the show because a bunch of the USWA fans were going to fight them. So, <laughs> so they actually had to keep them at the Louisville Gardens till the whole thing cleared out. So, oh my gosh. So, and Brian was there. So me and my friend went to more nerd stuff, but we went toy hunting on the outskirts of Jefferson County, which is in Louisville. And there was like a Target and Walmart out there. So we were just going to go toy shopping. And there was a subway inside of Thornton's out there. So we were getting <laughs> a sub. And I looked next to me, and there's Mark Curtis. I was <laughs> like, oh, my gosh. And I said, are you Mark Curtis? And I am I was six foot two, 240 pounds. My friend was bigger than him. So we're, we were big guys. And he, was, he thought we were trying to start a fight with him because we go, oh, no, we were at the show and stuff. We loved it. We had a blast. We go every week. We, we Thanks for coming. And D'Lo Brown was there. So And Brown was in that Thornton's, too. So he remembered all that. So that's kind of how we casually met at that time. And we didn't realize it when I first doing the 605 until we started talking later. That's always kind of like a bond we have because we always call that the last great night of kayfabe right there because (laughs) you don't see that kind of stuff anymore. So we always kind of have that little fun story we can tell. Like, you know, that was probably like the last night people were trying to murder somebody (laughs) (laughs) at a show they were going to try to jump them but it's fun to look back on that kind of stuff it's fine memories and now that me and brian we've kind of grown with that and stuff and do a lot of work with the 605 and helping with his other podcast and then cornet it's awesome getting to know cornet over the years uh because i was always a fan of him i I used to buy his magazines actually at the Louisville Gardens before he was a manager actually mm. uh, he used to have like the little CWA magazine so coming from that point till now I think it's awesome so it's a fun time so and he's he's pretty cool with anything he goes I don't care what you do just make it fun that's what he tells me and Brian so me and Brian just kind of brainstorm and if Brian has some ideas he'll throw them off of me and we just kind of go from there but Jim he he trusts us with anything and he says we have free reign and mm-hmm. But every once in a while, we say, I hear a lot of the unedited shows. <laughs> <laughs> Brian will tell me, 
we're not going to use that. So make sure <laughs> don't use that part. <laughs> so that's always kind of a fun, you know. And you'll hear something on this one show. It got edited. It was, but it was talking about itty bitty something. Oh, so I'm God. not going to go anymore. So they had to cut that out of one episode where they talk about it a little bit this episode. But Brian obviously says, we got to cut that. We can't do that. So it's always <laughs> kind of fun to hear these unedited things with Cornette and stuff because he gets on the tangents. Mm. And I think he didn't even know what he's saying ahead of time. He just starts rolling and rolling and he just gets to talking. And it's, it's fun listening to all that kind of stuff, all the unedited versions with Jim. So it's oh, fun. Yeah. So that's awesome. <laughs> That yeah, I mean, really cool. I, I absolutely love all all the artwork for that. I mean, some of the things that 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 you guys, you know, that you draw, and I guess you and Brian come up with are just a, a, a hilarious, like different takes on like you know some of the especially AEW stuff is usually what I'm listening. To. I mean, obviously, I'm an AEW fan, but I love hearing Jim just rail on the things. I just get so much joy out of listening to some of that. Sometimes <laughs> it's great. I, well, that's you, good. The, the the funny thing is is like I I, I I I'll be completely honest with you I, I you know I think that Jim Cornette is is brilliant and amazing and I love listening to him but sometimes I I love even more when he you, you know when when he brings it down a couple of notches and he just talks seriously about mm-hmm. why something doesn't work mm-hmm. why yeah. he didn't think it worked or what he think would work better because that to me like all the other stuff is great don't get me wrong mm-hmm. like, I mean, yes it's entertaining as hell mm-hmm. but when he brings it down and just really takes something apart mm-hmm. man i mean there are a few people that that do it that do it better you, you, you i know? agree and yeah. it's just, yeah, it's so, it's, it's so cool because it's the type of thing that, you know, he's from a time when that never would have happened, you, mm-hmm. you know, and now here he is able to kind of do that. And I think it's fantastic. Um, Travis, you also did the artwork for uh, the, you know, one of the other podcasts, uh, Uncharted Territory or Friends Over mm-hmm. There, uh, mm-hmm. which is, which is awesome. I love it. Uh, uh, how did that happen? Just out of curiosity. I've just become friends with Chad and Corey over the years talking with them. Yeah. And, uh, and it's not a knock on Corey, but I think if you're going to have a podcast, you got to kind of let your, let people know what your podcast is about. So, sure. and it was just, you know, had the lightning bolt on it. I went, they need something to pop it. So I know Corey and Chad are this big, you know, they're big AWA fans Yeah, and they love anything old school AWA. And I go, why not incorporate the AWA figures? <laughs> with their podcast so and i think it turned out not that i'm not bragging on my but i think it turned out the idea turned great and when you hear it you kind of know what the podcast is about it's about some old school wrestling probably they're going to talk some wrestling and it probably is a little bit old school feel maybe yeah kind of the retro figures and i think it kind of fit their podcast so and they loved it and i just did it for them for fun just appreciation for them much work they do with the legends so i thought if i can do something small like that it's it makes it worth it so and i hope you know people have noticed it and say oh i might check this podcast out now so yeah uh yeah i you know i mean obviously i was already listening to it and you know we'll, we'll continue listening to it no matter what the artwork is but that said i mean as soon as i saw it i was just sort of like oh this is great like exactly <laughs> like you said it pops and it's you know it's the type of thing like it's funny because i was you know i was listening earlier so it's mm-hmm. already up on my uh, up on my iphone um but like i i think it's just fantastic and i like you i hope that it you know gets some more ears on them because uh, obviously we're big big 
big fans of, of mm-hmm. what they do. So, um, uh, yeah, I love the AWA Remco's. Obviously, right? yeah, we talked about toys. Like you know, <laughs> Sam and I definitely love the wrestling figure. So that's a that's a perfect one there. And the real question is, uh, when are we going to get an LJN uh, 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 version for us? You know, that, that that's the next <laughs> big question. <laughs> if, if you need it, it will be there. <laughs> I know we've talked about it, mentioned before, but if you really want it, I can do that. So, just we'll just name your figure. I know you don't want to do Under the Giant, right? Probably you'd rather do a Hulk Hogan or Jimmy Snooker, right? Time. Well, so I mean, you see, if you can see behind me, I got the Randy Savage shelf. Oh, so there that's you how, go. You know, the, the, the double buy Randy Savage one. There you go. <laughs> so, so, what about Mike? Who would who would Mike be? Hmm. Mike, um, well, there's well, let's say he's a big Bobby Heenan fan. Well, there so, you go. There's that. Yeah. <laughs> Isn't he kind of holding his lapels or something? Was that? I think he's kind of like doing something with the thumbs. Oh, that was Teddy Biasi, maybe I think. Yeah, Teddy Biasi, yeah, something like that. Yeah, lapels. Yeah. What about you, Sam? Piper. Piper. There you go. It's kind of like one arm out, one yeah. arm down type of thing. Yeah. Well, there you go. You got, so you got to not, put the kilt on me, too. So no, there you go. Yeah. So in the free time, you might be seeing that one day in your uh, DM side oh, when, when you're not expecting it. Oh, awesome. Well, so I, I loved all the stuff you did with the uh, the the uh, the uh, uh, Hanna Barbera style with all the mm-hmm. the villains oh, of the yeah. Champions of the Galaxy. Mm-hmm. That just was absolutely amazing. The Lego style one that mm-hmm. you did with Star Warrior and Wolf. Uh, Wolf that, was that it was from that. Was it the first Book of Tom? Right. That's yeah. I think it's the from, first yeah. Yeah, adapting yeah. that cover, but doing Legos. I mean, I just, yeah. I just love how you have all these different styles that you can mm-hmm. just adapt to it. it, it it's absolutely wonderful. You do such a great yeah. job. Thank you, sir. Yeah, it's creative. It's fun, and it, it, it's added a lot. I, I think to you know to whatever you're working on, whether it's you know working with Cornette or like you said, Uncharted Territory, or of course anything that's Phil Singer Games related. So, um, you're you're a great addition to the community. <laughs> well. I, I, that's like my only hobby now. I, I got a busy life, so if I could promote it, let other people know how much fun it is, that's my goal. So cool. hopefully nice. I've been doing that. So, Yeah, I mean, you know, any anytime I see a post, I know, uh, I think it was a few weeks back, maybe a couple months ago back, uh, you were like sitting on the beach and, and, and had like the iPad up and we're playing. I do. You know, oh, yeah. Cards and yeah, it's, it's awesome. I, I love I love it. That. Um. Speaking of what we love, uh, now, now I think it is definitely time to move on to our legend spotlight, the Midnight Absolutely. Express. Uh, you know, we talked about this a little bit beforehand. We're not going to go blow by blow, minute by minute, year by year here. We wanted to talk more about like the feel that, that, that the team gave us and, and what we loved about the team. Now, of course, a little bit of history is necessary. Uh-huh. So, uh, let's talk about let's talk about Dennis Condry first of all. I mean, Dennis uh-huh. Condry was one of those guys that I feel like when you read about his career, he's somebody that just kind of started at a certain level. Like he just, he got it. He got it more than maybe a lot of guys who, you know, are a little green around the gills or whatever get. And, uh, and, and, and like he, I just used a terrible metaphor. Green around the gills doesn't count when you're green. It doesn't. Anyway, point is uh, that he also uh, early on in his career was in a tag team and happened to be managed by none other than Al Costello, one of the fabulous kangaroos. Mm -hmm. And I couldn't help but think to myself, what better, like, I I mean, what better way 
to get introduced to tag team wrestling than to have Al Costello as, as your manager. Hangers, yes, I know. The things he could have learned, right? Mm-hmm. Like it just, mm-hmm. it, 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 I think it shows in, you know, the career that he went on to have as pretty much exclusively a tag team wrestler that he was kind of just built for that and was able mm-hmm. to soak up uh, a lot of knowledge early on. And he was also managed by Ron Wright in um, Knoxville and stuff out that way. So he's got, he had some of the masters back in the day. Yeah. So, yeah. Now he started in Goulas's territory, right? Yeah. It was all Goulas's territory back then until 77. So, okay. And they so just you- kind of rotated uh, through Nashville. Then they had the Southeastern part, but that wasn't technically Goulas. Okay. But they had like the Eastern part, but it was like Memphis and Nashville. They were kind of broken up, but they were still in the same manner. Goulas Welch. Because he at one point he went on he was basically operating in what would eventually become like the Fuller's territory down in like mm-hmm. Continental, right? Like he was down in that area. Well, yeah, Goulas was going down. He he went all the way down to Alabama. Then. Oh, okay. okay. I think it was yeah. They had like I think it was Monday night shows and through that end it was Monday night shows down in Alabama, and then they had the Monday shows in Memphis too. So. And they broke them up. So see, man, this is exactly why we wanted to have you on for this episode. (laughs) It was neat back then because I think uh, Cornet and just always talk about there was like three territories in Memphis, I mean uh, Tennessee, so they could just basically rotate. A lot of those guys like Condry, they would just rotate through those three territories throughout the years, like him and Phil Hickerson when they were a tag team. Yeah, they would just kind of rotate through those three territories, and they would be fresh. Because a lot of those teams and a lot of the territories wouldn't see the other ones. So they could just kind of rotate through the three territories right there and they would be fresh every time they would come back. So it was a good time back then. So I didn't get to see it back then, obviously, because I didn't start watching anyone. That was in the 70s. Right. But, you know, still, it was a nice time. You could always stay fresh and work there about four, five, six months and then leave. And what's the cornet saying? how can you miss me if you won't go away? And that's what you could kind of do then and right. they could refresh yourself. Yeah. So, yeah, it, I mean, it is one of the things that I think in a way I'm almost envious of, you know, the territory days. Cause by the time I was, you know, was really old enough to be a wrestling fan, the territories are already on their way out. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and I feel like you, you know, you get like, a little bit of a taste of it sometimes with, with the way that the Indies have been set up, but it's, it's, you know, it's not the same. Like I, it, it, there've been wrestlers that have kind of gone away for a while and come back, but usually that's because they're, they're hurt or they're, or they're mm. in, in WWE mm. or they you know what I mean? It, it's not, it's not the same of really kind of cycling that talent in and out. Um, you mentioned Phil Hickerson, which is a name that, that I did want us to bring up because of course, Condry was in a team with him, the Bicentennial Kings, and they uh, were in, uh, you know, a pretty prominent position early on mm-hmm. when Jarrett started. Uh, mm-hmm. Yeah. So um, that, of course, you know, when Hickerson, Hickerson retired, is that right? He retired, I think, in the late 79 or something like that. Because yeah. he started team with, Connor started team with Don Carson and David Schultz, actually, after that, after he got hurt. So I think and it was late 79. Okay. Uh, but then that didn't end up actually lasting that long because he ended up going uh, to Southeastern Championship Wrestling, and that's when he formed the team with Randy Rose. Mm-hmm. Now, the interesting thing is that I think that some people might not realize is that they were not called the Midnight Express. It was just Dennis Condry and Randy Rose. Mm-hmm. And it wasn't actually until Norville Austin turned mm-hmm. uh, on uh, Brad Armstrong and, and they formed the trio that they were the Midnight Express. 
I think they call themselves Midnight Express Incorporated at first, maybe. Okay. So they said, I think that's what they called themselves, actually. And then they kind of shortened the Midnight Express. I'm not positive, but I think that's what they did. So. Yeah, it, it, it's really fascinating, too, because they're like they really um, I, I feel like once they had the gimmick, they they really played it up. You know, they dressed in black. They, you know, they they really kind of they were they were partying. They were, you know, those type of guys. And, and, and I thought it was really kind of interesting. The fact that, um, you know, 1981, which is when all of this actually mm-hmm. happened, um, that that they had kind of cemented what the Midnight Express was. Uh, mm-hmm. at, at that particular time. Um, it was shortly after this where they, they ended up back in Memphis. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, they ended up winning the Southern Tag Team titles. Mm-hmm. Uh, they had the Freebird rule. So, you know, mm-hmm. any one of them could, you know, defend. Um, and it, it's funny because as, as wrestling, of course, would, you know, would normally uh, lead us to, they, they ended up meeting up with Bobby Eaton at this point, but he was on the opposite side. He was teaming with Sweet Brown Sugar at the time. Uh-huh. Uh, and, and they had a feud over the, the Southern Tag Team title. Is that right? Well, yeah, actually, when the Midnight Express first came in, they weren't part of the first family. Oh, okay. So, yeah, they weren't part of them. They, were, they actually had a few matches against them, like uh, they fought Dream Machine and somebody else. I can't remember offhand they would fight them over the Southern Tag Team titles. And that's how I kind of actually started liking the Midnight Express because Jim Cornette, Cornette, uh, Jimmy Hart was so hated. Yeah. I'm like, well, if these guys are bad guys, they hate Jimmy Hart. They can't be that bad of a guy. So that's how I actually kind of started liking the Midnight Express from that. And my, uh, my aunt and uncle used to go to Little Gardens all the time in the 70s. They would always tell me about Bill Hickerson and Dennis Condry, how they were the best team. So I always kind of had Dennis Condry in my mind. Then when he came in and they kind of were on their own trio, they weren't specifically part of the first family when they came in in 81, early 82, I kind of became big fans of the Midnight Express because, hey, why not? They're trying yeah. to get Jimmy Hart too. I mean, they're not really friends with Jimmy Hart, so they can't be you know that bad because I always tell people, you didn't, it was kind of crazy to hear stuff in like the Little Guards. You would hear people trying to plot murders against Jimmy Hart and Andy Kaufman. So oh you're like God. 10 or 11 years old. <laughs> it was kind of a crazy thing to hear. So when you would see guys that, you know, weren't necessarily friends of Jimmy Hart, you were kind of become, even though they were bad, you were kind of, you know, I can cheer these guys. They were trying to, they were the first family and they were the most evil people out there. So, and it just kind of grew from there. My love of the nice for us. It started yeah. with Dennis, Randy and Norvell. Now, one of the things that I think is kind of interesting and, and somewhat sad is that there's not a lot of footage mm-hmm. from those early days that's available to us. Because I know, up, yeah, yeah, because Southeastern in particular, like they weren't really taping in the same way that mm-hmm. you know that other territories were. I know that the great thing is, is Jarrett, you know, there was a lot of film, and, and, mm-hmm. and, and there's you know there's stuff that exists out there. Um, some of it's not necessarily widely available, just because who owns it, who knows, you know, there's, there's that, there's the question of that. Uh, so it's not distributed in the same way, but we know that a lot of that footage actually exists. Mm-hmm. Um, whereas with like Southeastern championship wrestling, there's just not, there's just not mm-hmm. a lot of stuff out there. So you can't really, unfortunately really see, you know, like the, the Genesis mm-hmm. of the team, the early days of the team, but you can certainly read about it. Um, now they weren't, the funny thing is, is that they were, they were in Memphis for, for what, about a year before they went back uh, to Southeastern? Yeah, yeah, they were in through, oh, I'm trying to think of my timeline. They came in late 81, I think. 
and they kind of wrestled through 82. And the answer, I think Randy Rose was in a car wreck or something. Mm, okay. He ended up leaving, and that left uh, Dennis Norvell. Okay. And they eventually joined the first family here in Memphis, actually. So I think Randy left in sometime in the spring of 82 or something like that or so. Something like that. I think he actually ended up going to Southeast. But um, the Condry and Austin, they ended up staying through 82. I think they left at the end of 82 for a while. I think that's what it was. Okay. Because they were, they were around when uh, Kamala was here. And Kamala was here in the spring and summer of 82. So I think it was the end of 82 they may have left and went back to Southeastern. Yeah. And then it wasn't, it wasn't too long after that, yeah. that, 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 that the team split up. Yeah. Um, and you know, it's, it's one of those kind of twists of history, uh, if you will, that it, it wouldn't take that long though for the midnight mm-hmm. express to be back, but mm-hmm. it would be, you know, in an entirely new uh, combination, which would be Dennis Condry and Bobby Eaton. Mm-hmm. And of course, this is where Cornette enters the picture for the Midnight Express as well. Um, and this is where there's, you know, now we've got tons of footage out there. You know, this is when they were mm-hmm. in Mid-South. There's, you know, there's stuff, uh, I, to be completely frank, I don't know if it's available on Peacock because I haven't paid any attention to what's, you know, what's there and what's not there. Mm-hmm. But at one point, there was a ton of Mid-South stuff on um, um, the network and you could see you know a lot of the uh the early days of of, of the midnight express and, and cornet um you know for you as a fan i am curious because back in the territorial days i don't know you probably weren't actually getting any of this mid-south stuff no. at the time right mm-hmm. no did you see this stuff later on though i've seen it over the years oh yeah but i kept yeah. it with the magazines because i get all the i used to get all the after magazines Okay. So I'd always try to keep up through that and stuff. And, and you know, the funniest thing is I never knew Cornette got his head shaved until like five years ago. Because <laughs> <laughs> it never was pushed in the magazines. I never knew he did. But I yeah. always kept the, oh, I always kept it through the magazines, especially Cornette and Midnight Express. Cause, and then the Rock and Roll Express, because they were kind of Memphis guys. And I always kind of like to keep up with them and stuff. So, But, yeah, I've seen almost I mean, majority of things off and on through the years now. So through YouTube and uh, everything like that. And when I had the WV network, I had that and I would watch yeah. it all the time and stuff. So yeah, and my son used to like watching Cornette with me. He'd always, he loves Jim. <laughs> Jim, Jim, he's my, my son might be the only kid Jim likes. So <laughs> it's kind of a funny thing. So he always likes watching Cornette though. So he'd always watch it with me. So it was fun times. That's great. Yeah. I mean, Cornette, it, it, it's funny because it, there's, there's, there's something to be said about the fact that you know in the territory days in particular you've got guys that are cycling in and out of territories yes uh-huh. you've also got guys that they, they know one another you know uh-huh. it's like oh yeah i worked with you know so and so we did a program you know down in florida uh-huh. or you know we did a program over here or whatever and so that in this case that works out in so many ways because eaton and condry knew one another they uh-huh. worked together before on uh-huh. opposite sides when you see some of their earliest matches in mid south it's not like you're watching a new team like these mm-hmm. guys might as well have been together for you know oh, 10 years oh i agree oh yes and and the thing that's really cool about it is is today i feel like and this is not a knock it's just this mm-hmm. is di- it's just different today mm-hmm. when you get a new team oftentimes it's all about like their spots like what is it you know mm-hmm. what are their special moves you know mm-hmm. it's like get that new team out there in the ring do their their five moves and now we've got a new team here but back then it was, you no, know, you went in the ring and you, you wrestled, you worked. Mm-hmm. And Eaton and Condry were just so good mm-hmm. f- from the word go. Oh, it, gosh. 
I mean, like it's 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 funny. Earlier on, when I was doing a little research, and and I and PWI did their you know top 100 tag teams of the PWI years, and the Midnight Express were ranked 21. And I thought to myself, who the hell are the 20 other teams? Yeah, I know <laughs> they should be top 10 at least. I mean, my oh, gosh, easy. I easy. mean, yeah. I mean, my gosh, absolutely. And of course, you know, I mean, that's one of the things about like PWI and some of the aftermags is that they're very much you know kayfabe. They're very much you know. Mm-hmm. So it's so so. You, you see a team like the road warriors in the number one spot and there's no denying the importance of mm-hmm. a team like the road warriors, but come on, you know, like, <laughs> I mean, they're a top 10 in the eighties. I mean, there's yeah. no doubt. I mean, them, the bulldogs, road warriors, Anderson's that's totally an arm, but there's not many teams better than them. Right. Right. And they, and I think that there's something about like, and this is, you know, we've heard a lot, obviously over the past couple of weeks when it comes to Eaton, you know, due to his passing, just about how easy he made everything look like mm. he was just so good. And I, I think that it's easy to talk about Eaton. And I think that sometimes the Eaton and Lane team ends up kind of overshadowing the Eaton and Condry mm. team at times, which is, which is a shame because Dennis Condry is just, Oh, he's, awesome yeah and he's one of those guys that's like you know this is such an overused phrase but he's so good at like the little things yeah oh yeah you know whether it's like turning a guy away from his corner Mm. or you know the way that the the way that he'll get that sucker punch in when the ref's Mm. not looking or the way you know it's just he's he's just so good at all that and he's got that look that like we're supposed to you know we've got beautiful bobby Mm. and lover boy dennis and it's Mm. like you look at those guys and you're just sort of like Come on. Like, I already hate you. Like, yeah. I, like oh, yeah. you haven't That's even done anything yet. And I hate you. <laughs> right. Exactly. <laughs> and of course, then you've got Cornette who is just like, a, you know, a heat magnet, you know, he's, he's, he's over there saying the most ridiculous things and, uh, and, and you know, talk about his mama and he's got his tennis racket and, and, you know, just, just egging on the fans. And, you know, the, the stories of course uh, exist out there of all the times they had to, you know, run out of an arena mm. or, or, you know, they came out in their cars, you know, the tires were slashed or they, you know, and, and it's easy to see why when you see them, work and you see those early days uh in mid-south and you know they were in that program with wrestling two and magnum ta mm-hmm. which we've talked about well i'm sorry now all of a sudden i feel like i'm back on kopw because we're talking yeah. old school wrestling like this but uh on, on my own podcast you know, i had i had the privilege of interviewing magnum ta and we had a great interview and the funny thing is is when when we did the interview it was set up through a third party and the third party was like you know he's probably only gonna give you about half an hour um, so, you know, make sure you're ready for that. And we talked for like almost two hours because mm-hmm. it's like, once we started, he just, you know, he was just such an open book. And we talked a little bit about, you know, the, the kind of what put him on the map. And like, he even talks about how much he learned at that time working with the midnight express mm-hmm. and, you know, working with wrestling too, obviously and working with Bill Watts. And I think that that's kind of the amazing thing is, is that that it was like such a fertile time for that particular territory and they were able to really to to just kind of stretch themselves um and and be creative and i think that after the magnum ta wrestling two stuff is over of course then you've got ricky and robert coming in Mm. and now we're really off to the races because i don't know if there's ever been a, a, a better combination of like two teams squaring off against one another as there have been with the midnight express and the rock and roll express I just I I just love everything they do. Oh, I still remember when uh, the Rock and Roll Express. I can remember where I was when I saw they were announced for Legends. Yeah, and to be so happy 
to be even if it's a game to be able to relive that match is incredible to me. So because I remember so many of those matches back then. So yeah, it's an, it was awesome just to see all those guys. They're in Legends now. You can relive all that stuff. So it's it's crazy to think about. So, but yeah, there's it's one of those little times in wrestling that lightning hits at the right moment and every piece fits. I think that's what kind of happened right then. You don't always see that, you know, you had, you know, different ebbs and flows to wrestling, but I think like 1984, a lot of times that lightning hit perfect and it hit the midnight express and rock and roll express at that time. And they just ran with it. So, and it was nice, you know, you could see them grow, you know, you've seen them start and I've got to see them grow over the years. So that was always a kind of a fun thing too. You, you see a lot of these guys get their starts and see how they've grown and like, look at them now. I mean, look how they're a legend have built over the years. So yeah, it's neat. Yeah. Yeah. I mean that, that, that period of time for wrestling. And I think, you know, a lot of it just had to do with the fact that it was more visible than it had oh. been. Um, y- y- you know, we can, obviously critique some of the the more recent decisions but some of the stuff that vince was doing at the time really helped to raise the profile of wrestling mm-hmm. um you know obviously tbs being in more homes you know helped get eyes on like nwa and so i think that there was just you know people were taking more notice of it um you have to of course mention world class everything that they had done kind mm-hmm. of in like 82 83 and and, and the von erickson freebird stuff that had just kind of exploded and helped put them on the map before a, a global audience i mean they had people mm. watching them in the middle east you know what i mean and mm. um and, and so I, I think you're right i think it was one of those times when you just had so much cool stuff happening and i think and and i think honestly in a lot of ways you know we're existing in another time where I think we're kind of at that point where where the you know the the momentum has shifted in a way um that you've got so many cool things happening right now um and I don't want to necessarily like try to compare the two periods because I think that that just a comparison is the death of joy. Mm-hmm. You know, we're, we're, we'll suck all the joy out of it by trying to compare <laughs> the two things. But but that said, uh, you know, we, we're in that early, you know, mid 80s kind of uh, uh, frame and and the Midnight Express, you know, they, they move on from Mid-South um, and they end up in world class for a little while mm-hmm. and they have a few down there with the Fantastics, which, of course, is another team that we've got in the game, mm-hmm. which is awesome. Um, and they didn't stay very long. And I, I, you know, honestly, like six I, months. yeah. And I can't yeah. recall exactly what happened, but I think it's pretty much just that Dusty got on the phone and said, Hey, you know, come over here. I yeah. They were actually money. supposed to go actually before that. Okay. Uh, yeah. Cause Fournette's talked about it a couple of times. That's and, what uh, I thought. Yeah. And they were actually supposed to go to, cause I think Dusty and Flair came in for the Superdomes and they saw the Midnight Express. They go, Oh, we got to get these guys. They're awesome. And Bill Watts worked out the deal, I think, with World Class to get him over Fritz. I think they actually gave their notice the first night they were there in World <laughs> Class. So I think it's what Cornette said. So I think they only stayed six months. And they, I think Cornette's last show was July 4th of 85. He just talked about it on his podcast a few weeks ago. So they were there for like six months. So then they went to Crockett. So yeah. And, and and as soon as they got there, of course, you know, they, they went right with the, yeah. the Rock and Roll Express and, mm-hmm. uh, you know, took the titles off of them. Mm-hmm. And then the Express, the Rock and Roll Express ended up taking the titles back. And, you know, that that feud was just it was just awesome, um, mm-hmm. you know, and they and of course, they also had the feud with the Road Warriors um, with the with the scaffold match. Mm. <laughs> 
And oh, gosh. <laughs> I mean, I, I, look, I, I'm all for, you know, specialty matches, gimmick matches, whatever you want to call them. But I mean, whose idea was it? like, who really thought that a scaffold match was going to be something? Cause you watch them back now and you're just like, man, those things are bad. <laughs> Well, it was Jerry Jarrett thought of it. Oh, well, <laughs> he, he actually thought of it. So, I mean, I, I love Memphis and I love Jerry Jarrett. And I think Jerry Jarrett's a genius. But if there is one thing that you can say about Memphis is sometimes Memphis is a territory where you can clearly see that the painter has decided to just take out all of his paints and see what happens. Yes. <laughs> so, yeah, um, yeah. Yeah, you have to have special. The only people I know could have an awesome scaffold match was Bill Dundee and Coco Ware. Mm. They were great. So, but any other ones, they're hit and miss, though. So, if yeah. you can ever spot any kind of Bill Dundee or Sweet Brown Sugar Coco Ware ones, find those because Bill Dundee was a master at the scaffold. Well, and Dundee, he he started. Uh, if I'm not mistaken, right, he worked at like a carnival, like a circus, like he was Tight like rope. a tumbler. Yeah, anyway. yeah so he was, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, well, I, 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 I mean, and look, I get it. The idea that at the time you were promoting this match, I am sure that people were like, holy shit, like oh, they're yeah, going to be able to scaffold. Oh, like remember. this is amazing. Yeah. But you do, you kind of watch them back and you're kind of like, eh. yeah, yeah, they're, yeah, they're kind of, you, you had to have special guys that we would handle it though. And the bro warriors aren't kind of a guy that would handle that. Though. They're too big. Right. too big which is why obviously you know cornet ends up taking the biggest bump of the match yeah. so. <laughs> that's one of the best stories ever so <laughs> yeah oh man and, and i i just the thing is is you watch it and you can just hear that scream that he lets out when he lands <laughs> it's just like oh you poor man I mean, <laughs> just destroyed his knees but uh. um but yeah i i think that one of the things that that you know by this point in time one of the things that's really remarkable about the Midnight Express is that it, it would you'd be hard pressed to find a better team, uh, you know, in the country than, than they were. And yet, at the same time, they had so many amazing teams to work with. So here's here's one of my big questions that that I wanted to ask: um, Do you think that the Midnight Express was so great because they were a great tag team, or do you think that they were so great because they had great tag teams to work with? It has to be a combination of both because they were, I mean, they were great. I mean, yeah. I mean, you can't deny they were great, but I mean, when you get to work with the role, I mean, uh, Rock and Roll Express and Fantastics and end up, you know, later on Tully and Arn, I mean, that is, that's unheard of almost. I mean, yeah. you got to think, but they, they, I I don't, over the years, you know, I'm no one friends with Cornette. I might be a little biased, but, you know, seeing their stuff over the years, they were just a special team. They, like you said earlier, they could do little things and get people ticked off and be ready to get people to kill them or something like that, like tar their car or super glue their <laughs> things like that. They just did like little things that made, and if you, you didn't see it then, you didn't notice it now, but now that you can go back and watch videos, you notice, so you can, oh, I see. I know, I remember that, but now I really see what they did. Like you said, Dennis was a master at that kind of stuff. Just so like the little facial expressions, like yeah. like a little cheap shot and stuff like that. So, and they were just great. I mean, you you can't put words in how, like I said earlier, lightning in a bottle. They just struck those three guys, and they were at the right place, right time. They all had the talent, but they just needed that little bit of edge to kind of make them break out. I think that's what happened. They put them together and. 
Watt saw that talent and he just ran with it. And then Dusty saw the talent, and he could ran with it too. So, and you see their legacy. I mean, you uh, was it FTR actually wore some of their tights of the night, you know, mm-hmm. at that uh, mm-hmm. the thing. So yeah, that's right. they've left they've left a legacy that people. And I bet you could talk to the Young Bucks or mm-hmm. anybody. They will still always say, Cornet may not like us, but I bet one of their influences, <laughs> the Midnight Express, they oh, will yeah. all tell you that. So, yeah. Yeah. Well, and I think that, you know, we, we, we didn't talk as much about him specifically, but I think that the thing about Bobby Eaton, you know, is that he, he was so influential in a way that is not, it, it wasn't as talked about as Uh other like, you know, big influences. Like obviously you hear guys now that, you know, might've come up in the nineties or guys, you know, who came up now, for instance, or whatever, early two thousands, you know, into, into today, we'll talk about Bobby Eaton, Uh but he wasn't necessarily recognized, I think by the fans. And and part of that I think is because of kayfabe, quite frankly, in the same way that maybe certain wrestlers have been recognized, Uh you know, more recently. And yet there are so many names and this is, you know, this is not just because he recently passed. This is when he was still alive. Uh so many people over the past decade, especially with the podcasting boom that I have heard, you know, talk about Bobby Eaton as one of the greatest of all time. Mm. And I, I, you know, I think again, it's, it, it shows so early on he was, you know, cause like, I mean, the way he would sell, it was like, he sold in such a way that it, it, anybody out there who's going to try to be a heel, like you need to watch that because he sold in such a way that you just felt good about the fact that he hurt, you know? Oh yeah. <laughs> oh yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I totally agree with that. Like, like there are baby faces out there that when they sell, you're just like, you're so mad and you feel for yeah. them, you know, they're just drawing, Ricky, Ricky you know? Yeah, exactly. Oh. Exactly. You know, whereas Bobby Eaton was one of those guys that when he sold, yeah, you, you felt good. You're about right. It. He got his butt kicked. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and he was such, you know he was such a uh, another term that kind of gets overused but it's true he was such an innovator uh, of kind of you know going to the top rope and some of the stuff that he would do up there and you know the types of moves that that weren't really you know done mm-hmm. um um with the frequency that they are now mm-hmm. and uh, I, I think that it's just an interesting combination because looking at Eaton and Condry you might not expect some of the stuff that you see from them and like the uh-huh. tandem offense, the speed. I mean, that's the other uh-huh. thing too, is it's like, they were fast. They both uh-huh. were fast too. It wasn't just uh-huh. eating like Condry had some speed to him too. Oh yeah. Um, and, and, and it's like, again, they don't necessarily look like top tier athletes, but they were so athletic. Uh-huh. Uh, now, unfortunately one day, Dennis Condry decided not to show up to work. <laughs> and I still don't know that story. No, I don't. no, no apparently and nobody I, does. No. I've no. heard I, I've heard interviews with Bobby Eaton where Bobby Eaton just says like one day he just wasn't there like and, and Cornet and some they say they know it but they'll never tell it so yeah I respect it oh, of course of course yeah. uh, but it you know what it brought us it brought us uh, uh, Dusty you know going down to Florida and seeing a young guy down there and saying that's the guy that I'm going to team up with Eaton mm-hmm. and he brought Stan Lane uh, up to Crockett and uh, and they you know it was like it was like the team never missed a beat. Mm-hmm. Um, and the thing that was kind of fascinating is that before you had Condry who could kind of play the, you know, the, the heavy, he was a little bit more of a bruiser. He was a little bit more of a brawler. Uh, and you had Eaton that could, you know, handle the high spots and, you know, come off the top rope and, you know, have a little bit more of that speed and get his butt kicked in a way that maybe, you know, Condry wouldn't get his butt kicked. And now you had a guy who was arguably faster than Eaton was, who could do those high spots just as well, you know, who, 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 
by far was the best looking of any of the Midnight oh. Express iterations. And and the thing about you, know, Cornette has said this before, the thing about Stan Lane that was so remarkable is all the guys wanted to be him and all the girls wanted to be with him. Yes. And they played that up to the hill. And it was yeah. you know, it was weird because one of the things that, that that changed is that immediately the team started to get some cheers. Uh-huh. Because people were kind of, I think, attracted to Stan Lane. I, you know, I don't mean like sexually or romantically. Oh, yeah. There was just something about or him. That, that unique charisma. Yeah, he had he had that. Um, what did you What did you think of that particular iteration of the team? Well, I didn't like it at first because when I, first, <laughs> I, re- I remember when it first came out, because I was like, well, "What the heck happened to the Fabulous Ones?" Because you know, because I, mm-hmm. I got to see the start of the Fabulous Ones, and I was like, "Well, I guess there's no more Fabulous Ones." So. It was kind of like upsetting to me. I was like, how could Stan leave Steve? Like, yeah, I was 13, you know, I didn't, I was dumb, sure. you didn't know. <laughs> but looking back, it was fun to think like that. So, and I was kind of mad at Stan Lane for a long time. So I thought he abandoned Steve Kern. So, because they were such a good team. I mean, if you've never seen the Fabulous ones, guys, watch their stuff too. They're great. Oh, you know? yeah. So, but it's still that Memphis guy and you kind of grew up watching him and stuff. So, Eventually, probably about 87 or so, you really, you know, uh, end of 87, you know, you kind of, I kind of, that's when I kind of started really kind of cheering for him. I was always a fan, <laughs> but you kind of started, I hated him because I thought I had to, I was a kid, but I think the end of 87, you could s- start seeing that spark because I think Stan came in in spring of 87. So about the end of 87, you kind of see that little spark they had. And you say, these guys kind of be good guys. Yeah. Yeah. I and mean, you could kind of see that, you know, you could say, and you could see Cornette having a little more fun on the mic and stuff. Now he would always have the great insults, but you could say him have a little more fun on the mic and you got, these guys can be good guys now. And you kind of start getting it in the mind. And then uh, a year later, that's what you saw. You saw, you know, they started getting more and more cheers and they end up feuding with the horsemen. Yep. Yeah, it, you know, and the interesting thing is too is that they, you know, they they end up winning the titles from uh, Arn and Tully, and and at that point, yeah, I mean, they were being cheered. Yeah. Um, and and kind of one of the fascinating things to me is that uh, they, you know, they dropped the titles to the Road Warriors, mm-hmm. who at that time were heels. Yes, yeah. and and so it, it is really interesting to see that this that this team that had you know just just been, I mean, you, you know, the the you know, the dirtiest team with the dirtiest uh, manager and, and, and arrogant and everything you hated. And, and now all of a sudden, you know, you got behind them. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think, I think it was partly due to that Stan Lane charisma that we were talking about. It was, I think even, even in the era of kayfabe, there is still this idea that you can't help but respect a successful mm-hmm. you know team or a wrestler. So like that was part of it too. And then of course the other part of it is that now they're they're facing off against these heel teams like the Horsemen and the Road Warriors. Um of course after that that's when we get you know Pauly. the original Midnight Express mm-hmm. versus the Midnight Express when when Polly dangerously brings them in. Um I'm curious, honestly, what you thought about that because I have I have mixed feelings about it, and I think part of it is because of the way that it ended, which is not their fault, obviously. Uh. Um, but I I always felt like it was one of those situations where most people who were watching at the time didn't know the history 
Mm-hmm. They like they knew Dennis Condry had mm-hmm. been a partner of Bobby Eaton, but they didn't know who Randy Rose really was. They didn't they didn't understand what you know why this was kind of happening, and so I felt like it wasn't the the maybe the, it, the program wasn't set up in a way to be as successful as it could have been, and maybe that's mm-hmm. part of the problem I had with it. Oh, I see what you're saying because I mean. I think we're probably about 85, you've seen that national TV explosion. So mm-hmm. you're used to seeing just those, and that was kind of right before that explosion happened. So, and at that time, I guess AWA was still on ESPN, but a lot of people only saw it, but they didn't see it like they do on TBS or the USA Network. So I, I'll definitely see your point. But to me, that was a dream. Yeah. I mean, I was like, oh my gosh, because I I was still following AWA when they were in there. So it was like, Oh, this is great! I wish they would come and you know have it out with the mid and the cornets midnight for us. That would be <laughs> that would be awesome. And then it happened. I was like, "Oh my gosh, I'm going to faint!" This is the greatest thing ever because two of my favorite teams are in there. But I see your point because it was like in that two year span, it exploded so big. A lot of people kind of forgot about that pre '84 stuff. It was kind of like a whole new generation that probably really didn't yeah. know anything by then. So, and that yeah, was me. I definitely see that. Yeah. You know, when I was watching that, I was, I mean, I was only like eight years old, but, yeah. but I can, but I can remember. And I, and I think maybe that's a testament too, though, to the fact that it was successful in some ways, because I do actually remember it. Like I remember some of that stuff from when I was a kid. And, uh, and now when I go back and watch some of it, like, I think it definitely plays better. Um, I've always been fascinated by the interactions between Paul, uh, oh. Paulie and, and, and Jim Cornette. I mean, they're um, like, uh, Polar, I mean, they're polar opposites, but they're exact same. Right? That's exactly <laughs> right. They're cut from the same cloth. Like, like, you know? <laughs> it's crazy. Yeah. But you hear still, you hear still how Cornette, he was talking about in this last film, he respects Polly Dangerous. I mean, Paul Heyman, I guess now, but more than anybody. He loves, he loves him, but, you know, they have personality probably, but he respects the heck out of him, though. So, and that's a testament because if you get Jim Cornette's, you know, approval you're a good performer that's what you know hangman is so yeah definitely yeah Yeah, i mean there's there's no doubt that and i think that this is you could say the exact same thing about Cornette is that you know Heyman has always been able to kind of get the best out of people Mm -hmm. um and, and even more importantly he figures out it's not that he gets the best out of them so much as he figures out what the best is in them. In them, yes. You know, and 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 I think that Cornette has had that ability too. It's interesting when you go back and watch like Smoky Mountain mm-hmm. um, and you see some of the stuff that some of these guys are doing in the positions that they're being put in uh, that other companies, you know, never it's really used. like the very white boy. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um, it was kind of the same thing at that same time. Yeah. He, and, he, yeah. And even like the stuff that he did, you know, we talked about the stuff they did with New Jack uh, a while back after New Jack passed. But like, you know, you, 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 his career before that was fairly unremarkable. And yeah. everything that happened in New Jack after Smoky Mountain was basically because of what he well, became in Smoky Mountain. Mountain. Yeah. yeah. I know. Yeah, I agree. And I think that that's the thing is it's like true, like true creative minds. Um, and I think this applies to both Cornette and Heyman is like they are are willing to bet on the creativity of the people that they work with. Mm-hmm. So it's like Cornette was willing to just say like, just 
be you. Just go mm-hmm. out there and say whatever you want to say. To the mm-hmm. point that New Jack has even said in interviews, the first time he said that to me, I was like, no, you don't want me to do that. And Cornette's like, no, I want you to do that. And then mm-hmm. he did, you know, and it's the same thing with Heyman. And it's like, it's, it's like, I'm going to put a mic in your hand. You're going to go out there and do whatever you want to do. And, and we've seen how that, I mean, we talked about him a lot last week, but you saw what that, you know, what that did for CM Punk, you know, mm-hmm. the night that they gave him a mic and said, do whatever you want. And he's like, no, mm-hmm. you don't want me to do that. He's like, no, Vince said, do whatever you want. And he went out there and, you know, and so it's like when you're willing to kind of bet on the people that you work with and you surround yourself with like creative guys, it's like, it's going to pay off. Mm-hmm. That's it. Back to, back to the midnights. Uh, mm-hmm. The, you know, obviously the, the, the feud did not end the way it was supposed to because mm-hmm. Dennis kind of flew the coop again and, you know, Jack victory ended up coming in to, to fill well, his shoes. I'll, I'll tell you a little story. I was out with Lee Rose when I was in Florida and uh, we went out to lunch and we sat, you know, we sat there a couple hours or whatever. And he said, if he had to look back, he would have did the earning lad when he knew Dennis didn't show up mm-hmm. because he knew he was going to get hurt in and all. So he said he would have packed his bags and walked out through the arena and left them hanging. I was like, <laughs> if you ever looked back and did that, you should have done that. Goes, I, wish I, did. I wish I did now. Cause he goes, I didn't know Dennis was not going to be there. He didn't even know Dennis wasn't going to be there that night mm-hmm. until the show. So, I think that was the one in February or was, yeah. Cause they did Starcade and it was the one in February in 89. He did show yeah. up in So I kind of wish he would do that. Cause that would have made it even more fun. Like seeing Randy Rose just walk out in the middle of the show and did the earning way. just packed the bag. So, but, uh, it kind of ended on a sour note, but if you're a legends fan, guess what you can do. You can relive <laughs> that feud. Yes, you, you can. can. And you can book it however you want. And whoever wins it, wins it. So it's a shame God, we can't have Paul in the game. Oh, that would be the greatest. Yeah, uh, right. You know, oh my gosh. So, but, you know, that's the best thing about this game is if you had a few that you still want to fit see, there you go. You can still play it out. And it's it's up to you how you want to book it. And it's all right there for you. It's up to you, promoter. Yes. That's right. Um, yeah, it's interesting because I, I feel like as the nineties dawned, um, it, it was kind of clear that they weren't going to be used in quite the same way. Um, you know, they were still going out there and having great matches, uh, but they weren't, you know, oddly enough, they, they, they weren't really towards the top of the card as much anymore. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I, I, I look, I, I everybody it, it needs to, it needs to be malleable you know it can't just be like this guy is at the top and they stay at the top like there there needs to be changing of the guards mm-hmm. don't get me wrong but when you look at some of the other teams that they had at the time i feel like there weren't a lot of teams that really could have been working with them you know it's like you could have had the midnight express be there to help get some of these other teams over mm-hmm. and instead it was like the midnight express kind of got you know kind of tossed down towards the mid card um, and it, you know, it, I know that they had like kind of a short little thing with the Steiner brothers, which should have been, I mean, that should have been a huge feud right oh, there. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. And, and it never quite was. Yeah. Um, so I'm, uh, yeah. When, what did you think kind of of their, of their, you know, twilight period when it came to the yeah, end? I think after they left at one time, I think it was mm-hmm. the spring of 89, they had that one little hiatus and they went, um, did some four cards down there and then they came back. I think new management kind of hit. And yeah. Because that's think, when Turner had taken over. Yeah, and mm-hmm. I think things just didn't click. I, I, I think that happens in every company. It just, just one of those weird things that happens. You get new people owning it. They don't see the same thing with like a lot of fans did. They still 
cheered the midnight express, but you know, unfortunately management didn't see it. So luckily Cornette had a good idea later on. So helped him out. <laughs> but yeah, but you know, it was kind of disappointing to me because I was a fan. Yeah. And you, you, I didn't know what pushes meant and stuff like that. I didn't, I had no idea, but you kind of get a feel of like, eh, they're trying to seem like they're trying to phase the midnight express out. It seems like to me. And I was kind of bummed about that at the time because I was a fan. Right. But I mean, I guess that's just business. So, I mean, it's just new company and they got their own vision and it happens in everywhere, but unfortunately it happened to midnight express. I mean, the thing is, is too, when you look at the names at the time, all that pops into my head is, was there anybody that didn't have a problem with Jim Hurd? Like, was there no. anybody that seemed uh, to, like that really liked him? You know, and 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 God love Oli, but like, I, I, I mean, he he knew how to rub people the wrong way too. So, mm. like, I, I can see why that would have had a huge impact and influence on you know the direction of the team, where they were going, and of course, you know, Stan Lane's eventual departure. Um, now, Eaton. You know he he stuck around and 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 would uh, you know have singles success ish you know I guess mm-hmm. um, for a while and of course still just be uh, an amazing incredible talent I know we got you know like um, Steve Austin has talked a lot about the fact that they got to work together um, you know both in you know the stable uh, mm-hmm. uh, the Dangerous Alliance and then of course uh, um, across the ring from one another and how much that helped him and how much he learned from Bobby Eaton. So, uh, I, I, I don't know. I, I think that, uh, it would, it would be a shame to disregard the fact that they did do some work later on in the Indies, mm-hmm. but I feel like in a lot of ways that was really kind of the end of the movie. Oh yeah. Yeah. Oh, I agree. But, uh, it was fun actually seeing Bobby in the singles action. And, and I remember still on Russell war, uh 91 i remember dusty was saying i think you're gonna see a championship in bobby's future and i was excited like oh my gosh bobby might win the world title so <laughs> he never did. but he ended up being the tv title he yeah beat, i guess arn anderson and that was may of 91 I, I i remember all these days i don't know how i remember all these days with may of 91 i think it was slamory maybe that one and that was exciting for me seeing bobby eaton but Unfortunately, he lost it a, a month later, Steve Austin. So it didn't, I don't understand that. But, you know, but he still had a, you know, got to get the, the dangerous alliance and gave him a little second life. Arn, that was an awesome team, too. So he still had a little left in his tank at that time. So it was a sign to see him doing something different. But at the same time, he still missed the Midnight Express and Cornette on there every week. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I think that, the, you know, the fact that, we've been you know, talking about this now for you know well over half an hour and, and really in a lot of ways, we just barely scratched the surface. I mean, it, it, you know, most of what we've said, quite frankly, you know, I'm sorry, listeners, isn't necessarily anything that they don't probably already know or have huh. some idea about. Uh, although I, I, I'm speaking for myself here. A lot of what you said, Travis, I think has actually added, you know, quite a bit of, of texture. And that's one of the reasons why we wanted to have you on. And, and it's clear that, you know, you, you know, not only, you know, them, but you, you're passionate about the team. And I think that that speaks volumes about the impact that they've had is that, you know, here we are over 30 years after they were basically they off up. the scene. Yeah. yeah and, and, and we're having this conversation. Um, there are, there are some matches I think that, that stand out, perhaps more than, than others. Um, I'm, I'm curious as to maybe if there are any, you know, just off the top of your head, I know I'm kind of putting you on the spot uh, of your favorite matches 
that they had, um, you know, that you can think of? Yeah, I don't ever really like to say it's a favorite match. I just enjoyed series of matches mm-hmm. and the and the build up, build up to matches and stuff like that. That's what I always look forward to, like build ups with the Rock and Roll Express and seeing the series of them, how they kind of evolved over time and stuff like that. That's what I always kind of look for. I never look for like, oh, that one was my favorite match ever. And I always like the build up, like the Fantastics, like the face and the uh, and the cake and things like that. That's what I'm. I'm. I'm more look at the build ups instead sure. of the matches and stuff like that. That's kind of my thing and stuff. Like, how are they building this up? Where is it leading and stuff like that? So that was. I never specifically say that was my favorite match because they all had a little something special in them and all a little bit something different. Right. But it was just the journey. Yeah, the whole story and how invested you yes. were by the time the match came. That's yes. really what. It oh meant. yeah. I get, I get yeah. that totally. Yeah, and I think that you, you know, really, in that case, it, it, looking to the Mid South and seeing the build to their confrontations with the Rock and Roll Express, mm-hmm. I mean, that is just classic, like booking one hundred and one. Everybody plays their part so perfectly. Mm-hmm. Everything is set up in, in such a way that they they would do things sometimes over the course of one like episode of TV and they would have like three different segments. I mean, that tells uh-huh. you how much, how invested they were oh, in yeah. the feud that Mid-South was because, you know, they would come out and there would be, you know, there'd be a bit with like Cornette and, 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 you know, and Eaton and Condry. And then, you know, the rock and roll express would come out and run them off and they'd have a little interview bit. And then later on in the show, you know, Cornette would be back out there steaming mad because of what happened. And then, mm-hmm. you know, the rock and roll express would come out to confront him and then they get blindsided by, you know, eating and Condry and, mm-hmm. you know, get all busted up and, you know, there'd be blood all over the place. And then towards the end of the show, as Eaton and Condry are finishing off a couple of jobbers, here come, you know, the, mm-hmm. the, the rock and roll express spirit of 76 style coming into the room, yep. running them off. Mm-hmm. And that would, and that would literally take place over the course of one, you know, mm-hmm. afternoon of mid South television. Mm-hmm. And 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 yet they still wouldn't probably meet, you know, for for another two weeks. Mm-hmm. And by the time they built it up, you know, of course they're going to sell it to Superdome. You know, of course mm-hmm. they're going to sell it because, yeah, the, the the builds to the matches are so important. It's one of those things that I, you know, I wish that we had more of, mm-hmm. or like compilations of of like the build. Mm-hmm. To, you know, to oh, a match, yeah. as opposed yeah. to just getting the match. The match. Oh yeah. yeah, I agree. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Just go ahead. No, oh, I was just gonna say, which is one of the great things about you know finding some of that old Memphis footage or some of that old Mid South footage is that oftentimes you know you watch that that weekly TV show and that's really all it is is angles. Mm. You, know, you weren't getting like the big matches on TV. Oh, no, Those were saved no. for yeah. you know for the shows the, the shows, shows that you went to. Yeah, pay for it. Right, right. <laughs> um, how things have changed. <laughs> um, but but I, I think you're absolutely right. I think uh, that, that you can kind of go back and just watch the, the builds to some of these matches. And I think the thing that speaks volumes about the Midnight Express is the fact that the match ended up being worth it. Oh, yeah. You know, there there are some times where you watch a build to a match and you get to that blow off match and you're just kind of like, okay, you know, I get it. Like there was a lot of heat in the room and the fans really wanted to see this, but the match itself, if this is all I saw, Mm -hmm. you don't get it. You don't have the context. Mm, I get it. Yep. Totally. Um, Tournament master, you've been awfully quiet over there, sir. 
Yeah, sorry. I'm just sitting back and listening, getting a history lesson here. So this is this is uh, great for me. As I said, like my my knowledge is is you know uh, is, is more so in like the late '80s. You know when Stan Lane came in. So just hearing this whole context for me was 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 great. Um, and I hope for the listeners uh, too as well. What do you have any like favorite moments or anything about them in particular that that just that you love or or, or don't love for that matter? I don't know. <laughs> Uh, I mean, again, from what I saw later on, you know, probably, you know, I did get to see, you know, you know, some matches, uh, with the, you know, with, with the, with the rock and roll. So, I mean, how can you not love that one? Yeah. You know, how many times they, they run it back there. I mean, it, it, it's just so great. And then, uh, I guess as far as uh, Jim Cornette, I, I do remember, uh, and it's probably not a highlight, but uh, I, I do remember the tuxedo match with him and, uh, oh. and ah. <laughs> dangerously. I do remember that, that one as well, which is, you know, fun, but <laughs> right, he was right. even hurt. And remember he was even hurt bad in that. He's talked about that. Yeah, his knee was real swollen. He was like, "Oh!" And he kept trying to get Polly to hit him in that knee so he could act like a lemon. Polly kept hitting him the wrong knee. Wrong knee. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh man. Um, yeah. I. You know. The, the thing is, is talking about the fact that they were basically done and over with in 1990. It, it really kind of belies the fact that they were still producing some incredible stuff. I mean, you look back at like, they, they kind of had that mini feud with the Southern boys, mm-hmm. um, which was just, I mean, it, it was just great stuff, you know? And, 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 and why wouldn't it be? I mean, you, you know, you've got one of the Armstrongs in there and you got Tracy Smothers and, you know, both of those guys could go all day long and, mm-hmm. you know, they, they were able to just have some great matches and, and, and the, and the crowd reactions that they get. I mean, that's the thing is it's like, you know it's easy to cherry pick moments from a wrestler's career or a team's career but that was just kind of the the rule of the day for them you know they they always were able to get those reactions mm-hmm. and Cornette has you know in some of his podcasts and, and and kind of you know the, the commentaries that he's done for the matches he really talks about like the little things that they would do oh I love those oh yeah incredible yeah. yeah and 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 just kind of the way that they would lay things out and you know it's it's interesting because um obviously the you know the bulk of the match would be called in the ring but there was still that framework you know there's still that okay we know we got to do this 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 and this and it wasn't they weren't the spots that they had to do it was by this time we need to have the fans here okay mm-hmm. by this time we got to have them here mm-hmm. and then we got to get them here and and mm-hmm. that to me is just that's so that's so cool because it wasn't about saying you know okay well we're going to do the table spot here and we're gonna you know and and we're gonna do this here we're do that here it was instead it was just about like you know it was like getting the score and then Uh going out and playing your instrument as opposed Uh to you know playing your instrument backstage and then you know going out there and doing it again for everybody Uh um but yeah, I, 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 I mean, again, I could gush about them all, all day. And I think that there's some incredible stuff uh, out there for people to see, whether it's the Mid-South stuff, whether it's the NWA stuff. Uh, uh, obviously, Clash of the Champions 1 against the Fantastics is, is an incredible match. Uh, any other stuff with oh, yeah. the Rock and Roll Express. Yeah. Uh, they've got a, a match with Flair and Wyndham that is great. Of course, there's stuff like... Season beating 88, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, which is also just a reminder of how great those Clash, those early Clash of the Champions Oh, they were awesome. Were. <laughs> Um, but yeah, so I, I, you know, you've mentioned this a couple of times, Travis, but obviously all these guys are in the game. 
You know, mm-hmm. uh, you can you can have Midnight Express versus Midnight Express. You can take Midnight Express versus the Rock and Roll Express. You can have that dream match that I know a lot mm-hmm. of promoters have already run. You can run, you know, the British Bulldogs versus the Midnight Express. Mm-hmm. Um, it's just such an honor and a privilege to have in the game to be able to pay tribute mm-hmm. to them. Um, and I, I, I'm grateful that, that we had you here. Uh, it's been, it's been an honor, a pleasure to be able to talk oh, I'm about glad this I got to come on for a while. Yeah. I man, went we too boring. No, no, no the exact opposite. Uh, we should do it again sometime. I, I'm, I'm thrilled with it. Um, but I do think it's time to go home. We've been, we've been talking for quite a while. Uh, so before we do that, Todd, do you have anything else for us? Uh, no, nothing too much. Just again, just make sure, uh, to, uh, tune in on Friday. Uh, pre-orders go up on, uh, September the 10th, this Friday for the four pack for legends for the Indies deathmatch set and for, uh, future shock 2117. Plus there may be something else up there as well. So, you know, we'll, oh my we'll, we'll talk a little bit more about that on Friday. So You're spoiling us. It's like getting you know five cards in Promoter Prime. That's not what this is, by the way. I don't. I don't come on, no, no, come on. Like, we don't want Mike yelling at us. I know, right? Let's, let's get. Let's, let's come on. Uh, all right. Well, Travis, thank you so much once again. Of course, people can find you on the boards, Travis605. Um, yes. I know you're also active over on the Facebook page, uh, which is, uh, which is you know, seen a lot of really great stuff uh, as well. Um, and yeah, just thank you so, so much for being here. Is there anything else you want to plug? Yeah. Subscribe to the Cornet channel, YouTube channel. Just type in Jim Cornet. Um, I just talked to Brian earlier. He's going to have a 605 soon. Make sure I kind of look out for that. And also, can I give some props to some people? Yeah. My son plays Special Olympics. I don't know if Todd knew, I know. But they are playing in the Kentucky State Softball Tournament. I coach them. Me and my friend coach them. Oh, nice. We're playing the Kentucky State Softball Tournament this weekend in Bowling Green. So we're hoping to win the gold net. And one of our players actually is going to miss. He had a bad car wreck. He's He's in some bad shape, but he's getting there. So Amos... He knows I love all this wrestling stuff, so get better, dude. We're all cheering for you. You're a great kid. I just want to get that out there. That's awesome. I, well, Amos, yeah, you you take care of yourself, all right? Um, no, thank you so much, Travis. This has been great. And uh, anytime you want to come back on and, and, and talk about, you know, old wrestling, we can do it again because it'll be a heck of a lot of fun. I, I know Definitely. this one's uh in the meantime promoters thank you so very much for listening uh really appreciate it and feel free to leave your thoughts and memories on the midnight express uh on the boards uh this episode of course is going up a little early uh because you're going to get that bonus episode on friday uh so keep your eyes peeled for that um but in the meantime take care of yourselves and one another and we'll be back at you very very soon